At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella on the Cure, the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. I'm super glad that you are here with us, watching or listening, as I have another epic guest here in the studio. We're having a conversation with one of my colleague and uh, doing right, someone that is local. And every time I deal with someone that's local, I'm extra super excited. He is being Pulitzer Prize nominated author, and we cannot wait to depict what he wrote. Uh, obviously, very well-known TEDx speaker and someone who already have over 30 years of making difference on global scale, locally, nationally, and internationally. Obviously, his passion is nonprofit, but also very much so big thinking and amazing solutions. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Glenn Daniels. Glenn, how are you? Great to see you. No, I'm doing great. I've been kind of looking forward to this for, oh, five, six years, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> but it's great to be with you. Uh, and you know, the idea of a legacy is so critical, so key. So I'm so happy to be part of the legacy that you're building. And getting things going. Fantastic. And I cannot wait to fairly deep dive into that because recently, Glenn, I'm sure you've seen it, became such a big buzzword as leadership was for the last decade or so, right? And sometimes when we overuse certain words, they lose the true value and meaning. So do you mind sharing your perspective and meaning of the legacy and why legacy is so important to you? Well, I say it a little bit differently. Um, I say it's creating uh, generational changes creating generational excellence, which means that the next generation, the next generation, next generation, feel the effects of why the universe conspired to put me here at this time. So I look at it to say, okay, I'm here to do something. If I don't do something, I get a knock on the head. I get something that says, make a difference. And part of the reason why I went to nonprofits, because a lot of nonprofits are there to make a difference. They're not there for the almighty corporate dollar. They mm -hmm. do make some money, otherwise they couldn't stay there. Mm. But they're in the process and they like, if you go to some of the educational nonprofits, you know, they're starting out with educating one of my best clients down in Texas. They educate pre, uh, preschool and kindergarten and help people in first, second, third grade, help uh, all the way through college, help those getting out of prison get a better education so they don't go back to prison. That's creating a legacy of change. That's creating generational excellence. And if we don't do that, then how do we know what we did when we we're here on this lifetime? Mm. If we don't find a way to help people as they're coming up, we're doomed to repeat some of the mistakes, some of the challenges we're having right now. And it's up to you and me as leaders to just really say, okay, let's make a difference. Let's stop worrying about some of these other things. Let's solve some problems. So I personally believe a lot of this, our problems begin with leadership leadership inside of an organization, leadership uh, inside, well, we can just say inside the organization, because it doesn't matter what your organization is. If you're a leader and you do not know how to lead people 
or you're afraid to lead people, you're not creating the change, the excellence that can go for generations upon generations. I love that. I love that because you're so right. Legacy cannot be accomplished by this, uh, but without <laughs> and just alone, stand alone without that amazing uh, excellence excellence in our demeanor, who we are, how we show up, right, as leaders, but also how do we deliver what we're out to do, either as our mission and our vision and our goals and objective. And I love that you're supporting so much nonprofits because right now, for the last decade since previous major economic downturn in 2008, so many organizations are struggling, but needs is never been as all-time high as it is right now. So uh, for them to survive and to be able to um, sustain during the challenges time, it's, it's really, really hard as we've seen so many businesses closing, right? So, yeah. and how you bring your organizational excellence and effectiveness and operational skill sets, um, I'm sure it comes very, very handy. But I also love because you started doing this so early for yourself, focusing on that multi-generational legacy as a black man in, uh, in America, where a lot of changes are happening. I'm sure that a lot of events in recent years also prompted you to look at it the, that much more closely. And I'm curious, uh, what would you advise for people that are seeing this, oh, it's like that's something to worry about later or where, you know, before we die, what would you give them advice? I would say, go watch to play Hamilton because it's a very powerful statement that was made in that play. Either you're for or against, you can't be in the middle. So you have to, you're the for it or against it. You have to decide because if you sit in the middle, you're doing nothing. So if you wanna do nothing, sit in the middle. But if you wanna make a difference, if you wanna do what's right in your mind, then take action so you can feel good about that action. You wanna feel good about yourself, take action that you feel good about. That'd be my advice to anybody who wants to just be worthwhile, be a part of humanity, take action. There's nothing more than defending your neighbor because somebody's interfering with them. There was a short story. I was uh, a night out, stopped by one of these pizza bars here in Denver. Uh, I'll just give them a plug, Mario Brothers Two-Fisted Pizza. If you're ever here in Denver and you want a great pizza late at night, they serve it by the slice standing in line, and there's two women or you know, just a couple of people in front of me. And all they did was hold hands and hug each other. A guy, drunk guy decided that he was going to call them out for doing ungodly things. He bumped one of them down to the ground and while she was falling, he burned her with his cigarette. I cannot begin to tell you how many people sat there and watched that. Either you're for or against. I'm against anybody causing harm to somebody else no matter what it is. And so I'm not gonna go fight anybody, but I'm gonna go stand and protect them. Mm. No, and the guy says, what are you gonna do about it? I just, I have nothing to say to him, but to look at him and say, I'm standing right here, you're not doing this again. Then people decide to be brave. Don't be the person waiting for someone else to take that step. You wanna be a person of action, of ability, you don't always have to be loud and talk about it, but you can do what I did, just walk up and have nothing to say, but stand right there by them. So mm. they know that at least this man has got their back. At least this man doesn't care about their relationship because it has nothing to do with me. Mm. So, so that's my advice. 
so powerful, Glenn, on so many levels. And if you don't mind, just to interject here for a second. Complacency is the bigger killer. People think uh, that, you know, action or non-action, uh, but actually complacency because it's that middle, huge, vast pool in between, right? Uh, and what happens is as someone who is seeing and witnessing not only divorce, but seeing so many damaging situation on a larger scale and work with people that did the same, complacency leads to the point that we do end up having the bigger conflicts, wars, and, and, and many different events that actually cannot be as easily then stopped if we don't act and react as they're occurring. And I, first of all, I want to kudos you for doing that, for stepping up and doing the right thing, not only from the leadership standpoint, but human standpoint, right? And it must be challenging you because you never know what other person will do. But you're right, when you lead with example, others follow because deep down every single one of us know what is right, right? We know what is right and we know what is wrong. But we often detach ourselves and do convenient things. So when it's convenient, when it's something that has to do with us, we'll step it up. But when it's not, we're just gonna let it go. And that I feel like it's getting us a lot in trouble. I tend to totally agree. We can look at our recent history, okay? How many people did not get involved when they saw a man or woman of color being abused by the police? How many people didn't get involved until it actually got thrown up in their face one day, big time? How many of us were complacent about that? Not, and I'm not just saying one particular color, I can tell you in the black community, a lot of us were kind of like, well, just be respectful, stay out of the way. We were complacent about it. How many of us are very complacent about what we saw happen on January 6th? How many people are standing there and won't say anything about it unless they're pressed to say, well, that wasn't right, but yet we let it go on. Complacency is going to be something, if you're going to make a change, you have to care. Now, if you're on the side of the January 6th people, okay, you are. Stand up for your right. If you're on the side of Black Lives Matters, stand up for what's right. Real quick though, one thing that people always ask, and I'll clear it up right now in case there's any controversy. People say, well, don't blue lives matter, don't white lives matter? I said, yes, they all matter, but it's a shame that I have to remind you, I have to remind you that Black life matters, that my mother's life matters, my dad's life matters, my sister, my brother, my grandson's life matters. I need to remind you of that. And that's the shame. That's where Black Life Matters is. But we have to remind people of that. And that's the shame. All life matters. It's a shame that I have to remind you of that. So back to your, back to your complacency issue. Be either for or against. Mind your own business until it interferes with that belief, that life. And then stand up for what's right. Find the solution. That is a very, very good point because a lot of times we also see people wanting to just rally and they don't even fully understand what they're rallying for or because their friends or family members support certain things in a certain ideology. Uh, and it's a great opportunity also to think for ourselves to step back, right? And evaluate 
what this mm -hmm. means, how this makes me feel. Is this corresponding with my values or it's not, right? Because uh, it's too late. And I'm seeing a lot of, of that endorsement in the businesses and for different organizations where we approve certain CEO, but yet we know very well their behavior or, or, or approve of the dynamics of the team. And we very well know that the leadership might not necessarily be acting in everybody's best interest, right? But just because we're favored or because we're getting extra brownie points a lot of times, we're just going to go uh, so that we are not rocking the boat, right? We're also having a lot of interesting climates, dynamics of sensitivities, and, and, and it's like what's politically correct or not correct to do. And we're seeing a lot of interesting um, thoughts as well actions right now, or better yet, lack of actions. And I'm glad you're reminding us and you keep reminding us, Glenn, that it is sad that you have to remind us that Black Lives Matter, because in reality, uh, if all lives matter, we will not have to worry about that the Black Lives Matter too. You wouldn't have to put that separate and let to remind you of that. You said something though that I wanna go back on just a little bit. You said Please. people thinking for themselves. That's some of the issue. We don't think for ourselves deep enough. We only think for ourselves for that day, for that second. It's safe for me not to get involved in the situation, so I'm gonna be safe. Think a little bit deeper of what that meant or what that could mean. What if those two ladies, one of them was your daughter, laying on the ground, cigarette burning her arm, okay, and this guy still talking nonsense. What if that was one of your daughters? Think deeply. Was that right? Was that wrong? Okay. Think a little bit deeper about all these issues. How does it affect you? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, the two ladies who in that relationship, does that affect me? Not in the least. It had no effect upon me. Mm. But them being attacked had an effect upon the society I live in, the humanity I live in. That being, that has the effect. Think deeper about some of these issues. Think about the solution. <clears throat> this guy was drunk. Okay. And like you said, who knows? I didn't even think about what he could possibly do. I wasn't too worried about it. But maybe that's my fault. But I'm not going to let him harm somebody else. Just not going to let that happen. I don't need to do that. And I'm once I, people saw that you know, I'm going to stand there and protect him, I had to walk out of my spot in line and go hmm, five feet and stand right there and help the lady up and then turn back around and look at the guy. Then more people got involved. Mm. All I'm saying, though, is that if we think deeper about some of these issues, what is a solution? We can talk about our issues, our problems all day long, but what's the solution? Let's think deeper about some solutions for these things. And I love that too, because as you spotted on, um, we focus, we have a lot of problems and if we just focus on the problems, we'll never get out of that, right? And, exactly. and, what, and are we part of the solution individually, as a team collectively, and overall as either organizations or as a community or as a country and what type of solutions are solutions that we're going to be proud of it other the ones that are going to help us to bring that legacy of excellence or that's going to be something that's going to bring legacy of shame and blame and 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 something that we will not be able to forgive ourselves or our future generation like you mentioned in your grandson you have a daughter you have a grandson and he is going to one day he has his own family and we don't even think about it what do we pass 
passing on to them in terms of not wealth and recognition and name building, but in terms of the better future, in terms of solving these complex issues so they don't have to deal with them centuries after centuries, right? You know, 300 years is a long time to deal with stuff. And that pendulum is starting to swing in the opposite direction now. Yes. And a lot of people are afraid and holding on to that. And because equality is going to come. And I want to make sure that my grandson and my daughter get to enjoy that equality. I don't want that pendulum swinging back towards the area where it's okay to mistreat people based upon the color of their skin. Or let's be blunt about their sex or based upon their sexual orientation. When is it ever to mistreat anybody in humanity? Think deeper about that. Ladies and gentlemen, think deeper about that. When is it okay to do that? Mm -hmm. It's never okay to do that. Absolutely. And when it's really good about like the values, right? What values you were raised with? And it's also a generational thing too. I feel like so many values that we had that I was even raised in Europe or you raised here, we have so many of them in common. It's about respect, about being respectful towards everyone and treating everybody the same, regardless of their title or position or skin color or whatever might be the case, right? But then I feel like so much of those values shifted. And as a result, uh, we're seeing interesting dynamics. And I'm not saying that all of them are worse, but some of them definitely are not helping the, the, the future of the humanity. But that is really a huge, huge topic and opportunity for us definitely to depict in, yeah. in many different ways. But wanted to really ask you, obviously, as an author, as a writer, someone who prides himself and also is a TEDx speaker, do you mind sharing a little bit about an audience? Because you were nominated for a Pulitzer's Prize. Uh, I'm curious, uh, was some of those writings related to the topic we're discussing today? Uh, and then what was your TED topic about it? And how all of this knowledge and information that you're accumulated is uh, going to really help generations that we're trying to reach and, and, and impact? Well, oddly enough, the Pulitzer was not related around anything that I'm about right now. And oddly enough, I did not even really realize that I was going to be put up for it. So I wrote a book on, uh, on goal setting, the science of goal setting. And if you really understand the science of goal setting, it has nothing to do with smart goals. Mm. Smart goals has nothing to do with it at all. So by the way, that's my TED talk, why smart goals are dumb. So that was a TED talk. So I really took a, a, a contrarian view of it. And people don't like that idea of me saying, you know, the smart goal setting we've been teaching people is the dumb way to set your goals because that's not the way we're wired. Mm, that's why well, so many people cannot obtain them and that's why it's so challenging and that is why also a lot of evaluations I remember in corporate and consulting come from that smart goal process specifically when you're doing consulting deliverables and and they still after they're delivered don't necessarily solve the problem right problems not solved and but here's the reason I think the reason why the problem is not solved because in order to set a smart goal in order to do that you have to be able to say I know how to achieve this already so therefore, it's not a stretch. A smart goal, by definition, means I already know how to do it. Mm. I always use the analogy, going way back in time, way before your time, when John F. Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon, do you not know we did not have the money to do it? Did not have the technical expertise to do it? 
and did not have the will of the country. Over 50% of the country did not want to do it. What would our lives been like if we didn't set that stretch goal? If you look at that goal, it was not by any means a smart goal. Wow. Look, forward. look at Apple, look what Steve Jobs did. Yes. Look what Bill Gates did. These things were goals that they set up that people would not put them in a smart goal category. We're not wired that way. So we set the start, the smart goal process. You can put this inside of a company. Okay, we're gonna set smart goals. What you're setting is safe goals. Goals you know you could achieve. And how, how does that help humanity? Wow, and Glenn, this is so interconnected actually with the topic that we're having because yeah. it is because ultimately all of us are aiming for solving some most complex issues, right? Both of us, both of us have been doing this in different different avenues through corporations and nonprofits, etc., for all of our dedicated professional and personal life. And 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 you spot on. Uh, but now it's like, how do we solve complexity we're having today? We have to start somewhere. And you are definitely right that we cannot go through that lens because we never dealt with the level of complexity. And frankly, if we solved racism, if we solved all of those issues uh, that black community in this country is facing, and it cannot be addressed through the smart lens, smart goal lens, because we will already have done it and been there, right? But we never really fully get there. No, we don't, we don't. We, we make them too easy. I like the poll that you have going right now on LinkedIn. And that poll simply says, what's our biggest problems? And if you look at those problems, you have on there the refugee crisis, okay? How can our smart goal help us take care of the refugees across the world, let alone in the United States? How does, okay, I've got a very specific goal. I wanna help the refugees, um, <clears throat> measure it. Okay, well, it means I'm gonna make sure that uh, they don't leave their countries. That's how I measure my success, to stay in their own country. Okay, is it achievable? Mm, no, because people want to migrate. Is it reachable? Well, no, because people want a better life. When can we get it done by? Well, we can't get it done by six months of year or by the end of the term, the presidential term. So therefore we're not gonna do it. That's smart goals and that's why they don't work. Mm. The goal because needs- Because we don't address the root cause of the problem, right? We are reactive, not proactive. And with a lot of reaction right now that we're seeing in corporate America and all the different phases, uh, governmental, not governmental corporations, doesn't matter. We're always seeing this specifically due to COVID and current events, that reactive way of tackling things, right? Right, right. Let, let's take a large corporation with top heavy senior management. Let's take the shackles off of them and say, give us a solution. We know what the problem is. We're not gonna spend five hours discussing the problem. Give us a, give us a solution and don't run it through that framework. Mm. What, has to be, what has to happen? You know what generally happens? People start to realize, okay, we as a corporation, we must be this first mm. we must either be compassionate and caring or we must be uh, a a thought leader we must be this first as an organization once they decide that then the framework becomes you and i have a friend who decided one day that she's going to be the person that ends fracking okay she was that first before she started doing and having what am i going to do here what am i going to have there she decided to be that. Talking about a solution. We say, okay, we're going to end this destructive practice for our environment. 
Yes. And that's a powerful place to come from. She decided I'm gonna be this first. I think you put uh, corporate leaders and say, here's, here's the issue, this is one you picked. What do you have to be first as an organization to make that happen? Hmm. That is an excellent point. And it's, it's, it requires a different lens of looking at things and yes. it requires critical thinking. And first of all, are we looking at the right things? What we're missing? And also requires different curiosity. If we're all thinking the same way, that's why we're finding people hire usually people that think and act like them. So yeah. it's here, so we can agree. And agreement usually people go, oh, we don't want a conflict. We want to agree. But just the fact that we all agreed about something, but if it's useful or is not, it's going to make a huge difference, right? Are we going to be impactful? How much we're going to be able to change? And if that change is going to be able to last, right? Because if we're not, then we're going back and just running in circles and going to the same issues and problems over and over again, aren't we? And that is what I feel like it's a lot of fatigue too, because we have so many smart, intelligent people, Glenn, don't we? And how is this possible that we're still not able to scratch the surface uh, and then dive deeper? And I, I think you just came to amazing revelation for everyone watching and listening. So do you mind sharing repeating that again, please? Well, I, I'll make it shorter. So I don't stay the next 10 hours on it. But you know, as simple thing of that, if an organization decides they're going to, let's say, attack the hunger problem, and we got the top leaders in the room and say, okay, we're going to tackle hunger in the United States. You cannot put it in the smart goal setting, that situation. You have to put it in a situation where you say, what does this organization have to be first? Mm -hmm. What do we have to be? Do we have to be an organization that cares? Well, yeah. Do we have to be an organization that truly deeply cares? Yes. Do we have to be an organization that collaborates with people who are not like us? I like what you reminded everybody. You know, we hire people who like us. Okay. Well, we got to find people who are not like us to help us be more. So all, I don't care what your organization is. If you decide you're going to tackle one of these problems of, in humanity, what do you have to be first? You and I can't tell you what you have to be. Mm. You have to sit down with the organization and decide what do we have to be first. That is so very true because a lot of times that's why we're looking right now, even with Fortune 500, for example, or just looking at the top 100 companies, a lot of shifts, a lot of changes, but also for them that they'd existed longer over hundreds of years, looking at their values, looking at their vision. Uh, how is that adjusted? How are they still breeding uh, and, 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 and having the culture that really supports that? Yes. Or is this still serving greater good or is just self-serving? What can they do to adjust? Because we're not only having need for social responsibility here right now. We're looking also many different factors. How is someone in other organization being measured? I know internal organization thinking, okay, we're profitable, we gain, we have these margins from the financial health lens, but they don't really pay attention what's going on with their people. They don't pay attention so much as they should what's going on with the climate and or our countries that they're operating in. And frankly, not as fast as consumers really want and need. And when you neglect that, that's why we're also seeing a lot of disconnects and all of those issues, as you said, because we love to fix things fast, right? We live very short term uh, with short term view. 
call it Wall Street mentality, right? And that Wall Street right. mentality doesn't translate with the rest of the world. It doesn't translate, frankly, even for, for United States. Uh, but yet we're still so consumed because it's hard to commit and it's hard to work on transformation because it's intentional, right? And it takes time. Here's the thing though, I would share with all these top 100 leaders, if I could, simply yeah. this. Once you decide to be, what you're going to be it's up to you to decide what it's going to be okay once you decide that being is going to make a legacy change or a generational change you're going to become way more profitable just take the turnover issue alone mm. your people are not going to want to leave because they're part of a vision a mission that is making a difference they don't care if they can get two dollars an hour more from this company or even a hundred dollars more from this company over here they don't care about that what they care about is we're making a difference and i'm part of that difference and they stay just in the turnover alone they like who they're working for they like how it makes them feel and look and, and also how they're being treated too right and you spot on when we're proud of something uh we we put extra effort we go extra mile when we also have the cohesiveness of union of yes. the team because a lot of times i'm looking also when we have horrible disconnect in team dynamics you can't win the championship we know that analogy from sports right only way we can win the champions when or championships when we have a union of team and so right now we have yeah. so much fragmentation and we're not even looking we're not even playing the same sport we're not even figuring out who is playing what position because we're so preoccupied with the wrong things so it's impossible to hit a target and as a result uh we come up with the different measurements i was recently actually having a conversation how do you measure success how do you measure someone's performance and then as you said it the smart goals are one of those um what what can we what can we do what 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 we'll be able to make it happen you know it's it's a huge huge um differentiator right it's, it's a huge issue i agree with you as this some of these things they need to be turned over your uh, turned on their head we look at the successful sports franchises Mm -hmm. Okay, the laborers in the sports franchises make more money than the manager, the coaches do. Okay. They make more money than the leadership does. Now, they may not make more money than the owner does, but if you look at someone's salary that's a star, they're making way more, up to 10 times more than their boss. It's flipped over. It causes them a different way of looking at things. I'm not suggesting we do that here, but maybe we need to shake that up a little bit. Maybe we need to start paying a little bit more to those folks who are there collaborating, who your success is based off their back. Especially if you want to have a longer, another hundred year life cycle, because that doesn't happen anymore. Very few companies stay in business that long without having to radically change the way they do business. They, they all fade away and maybe they come back sometime, but we're not, you don't have a hundred year life. Let's look at what we want to be and see if we need to make that change someplace along the way. And I think that's a very good analogy. You said, hey, look at the sports. Now look at the laborers in sports. Most of them make more money than their managers or leaders do. 
that is excellent point and 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 we have to really find the ways how to communicate how to dialogue how to actually approach the problem correctly right what is on the hand what we're seeing what is going on what do we know what we don't know how to stay also involved and curious and how to contribute and use different groups to really help with the solution because linear approach obviously doesn't work and as a result mm -hmm. smart goals don't work and i'm so glad you're addressing that because Again, from consultative efforts, from everything that I'm seeing, uh, that's where there's a lot of pain point and disappointments and friction uh, for being going on for so long, yet uh, no tangible or strong foundation. So what's alternative? What is alternative here, Glenn? Alternative is, we kind of already discussed it, but be first, then do in half. Be first, yeah. then figure out what you have to do in half. So I'm gonna be this first, then I know if I'm this, I have to do this, then I'm gonna have this. Let's skim put it in the corporate framework. If my organization decides to be this, then we're gonna do this so we can have longevity. Realizing if I'm this, if I'm an organization that's making a difference, every time I make that difference, I'm getting new clients, okay? I'm getting new clients. If Let's take it down to the nonprofit nonprofit educational space. Every time they develop something that's making a generational difference, they're getting new clients for the 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, 40 years down the road, because they're gonna keep on flowing. Things change. We as a society are evolving. Some of us don't like the way we're evolving, but we're evolving. Yes. And you have to get collaboration with those you no, know, it used to always be this thing about, wow, well, geez, I don't like millennials. They never want to work. They they never want to compete. No, they don't. What they want to do is collaborate. They want to work together. That's the way the world's going to change. You want your company to stay that way? That's the way it's got to change. But you have to decide that, that you're going to be going to be a company of collaboration. You're going to allow companies, people to collaborate. You're going to make sure that as a leader, they feel safe in collaboration. They have ownership in it. People don't walk away from ownership. Yes. If I know I own part of this process, I'm not going to leave until that process is over with. But guess what? My leader is going to say, hey, listen, that process went great. You're in charge of this process. <laughs> Love it. Love it, love it. And you spot on uh, because uh, when we take a pride, when we're involved, when we're also tapped into our excellence, what we're so good at it, when we're allowed to unfold and show and demonstrate, and uh, when we contribute, when we complement beautifully, cohesively those teams, uh, magic happens. And I'm so glad you're highlighting what those, some of those key gradients are because obviously both of us are scratching heads and thinking, we have so many smart people and while we're still seeing all these same old, same old patterns, right? And yeah. for everyone, obviously, that is able to uh, hear your TED talk, I'm sure they can find it on YouTube, right? It's still, yeah, yeah. It's still there, yeah. It's Fantastic. Still there. I will make sure that when I do post uh, this, obviously, podcast and everything, it's linked there because um, I would highly recommend it because that really sums it very, very quickly. Everything the client has been showing, which is fundamentally what we're trying to solve, what attitude and approach we're having, what tools and methodologies we're using, 
Are we using things that are effective? Are we using things that are ineffective? And how this is going to help us out to be more, do more, and as a result, have more on individual team, organizational level. But please, was, if, you if you don't mind. Before um, you go, let me just do a shameless plug here. Please. It's totally shameless because I'm going to tell the truth. You and I are working on something that we're not quite ready to release yet, but we're putting our organization around us. Yes. You guys want to see an example of a leader? Look at you. Look at how you're leading this. Look how you, you're putting people around us that maybe we're comfortable with, maybe we're not comfortable with, but they have a different perspective. They have a different growth and you're giving them ownership into this process. That's the leader. So if anybody needs to find out what a leader is, let them come to you because that's what our, your leadership is causing in this organization. I'm watching and saying, okay, I can kind of step out of this one because she's got this, because she's going to make sure everybody's involved and they have ownership of their parts and she's not making it competitive. We're all, we're all collaborating. And that's a powerful thing. Go ahead with your question that I interrupted you on. I just had to get that plug in because you are the leader of the present and the future and how you're putting this team together. I see it. I feel it. Okay, now we are continuing this conversation after Glenn introduced this shameless plug and I have to really say, Glenn, I'm deeply touched and thank you so much for um, highlighting importance of leading by example, which you flawlessly and incredibly well do. But it's also really important to also who we choose in our inner circle, isn't it? Because we yes. want to be associated with people that are acting, thinking as we are and exude the same values, but not necessarily being identical who we are because that's what get us in trouble because if you and i have everything the same and then trying to solve the world's biggest problems we're going to miss on a lot of things don't we right, right. but if we are operating from that shared understanding with the same grounds with that with the value proposition and our why and this is something i wanted to reference because i posted something today that really provoked me on numerous levels when i said never lose your why so you will never lose your way because so many companies right now losing their way because they are finagling with their why and 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 they're really not stay holding themselves to higher standards or their team and running into a lot of trouble right now. And then one of the quotes that I also want to highlight here, since you opened the door for that, uh, relativity applies to physics, not ethics. And that famous quote from Albert Einstein that he said, I really love because you can be relative in ethics and business or relative in the way we conduct and trying to solve the issues. That's why I love that leadership excellence concept you introduced this earlier and your legacy why, because of ultimately, uh, because every time we get chance to, the, uh, we're from path, right? Uh, we never lose our way. And a lot of people that lost their way need to really revisit their why. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Because when I read that, it kind of really sung to me a little bit because I read it and I said, you know, never lose your why. And because you won't lose your way. Although maybe society doesn't see the way anymore. Yes. But the moment you give up on the why, you're not going to get your way. I mean, it's just like when people say... <clears throat> things to you like well i don't understand why you're doing that doesn't that doesn't make sense society says do it this way my why doesn't agree with that and the moment i go to your way i'm trying to get you to see my way and i go to your way my why is gone 
and I'm not going to get to the way. So I love that quote because it just really resonated with me to say, really, I can't lose my why. People may not see the way that I'm getting things done, but I'm going to get to the way. Exactly. exactly. I'm not worried about what everybody else is thinking right now. Mm. We're going to put together something that has not been done before. And I've already ran up against people who, oh, no, I'm not really used to doing things that way. Yes. Or this is not possible, or we should not be worried about it, or, or this is not anymore yeah. our issue, or whatever scenario and situation might be, right? Yeah. And we have a vision for all this, and everybody's coming on board has a vision. What's unique, though, they all have the same vision, but they have a different way of accomplishing that vision. Now, if you decide to bring people on board who had to want to create the vision the same way that you're creating it, we're going to miss some things. But you're bringing people on board who have a different path, a different way of thinking about things, a different way to get to that same vision. And that's that's so that is your, that's the way you would do then. Then you enhance in that. And that's why it's going to be more successful because you add in different perspectives and points of view. And then you're finding as ultimately better solution and you're building better foundation. Because oh, it's, yeah. if the companies that are failing right now, it's only the ones that are having the vision being preserved by a few people in organization where others don't even know or have a buying, right? So how, it's a, how is it difficult to show the way if you don't even know the why and where we're headed, you know, and how are we going to get there, right? Because if no. you cannot demonstrate that, it's, it's a loss. So with that in mind, I'm curious, Glenn, obviously, you, this is not your first rodeo. And right now you're going on to something really, really significant with all the collective years of experience and wisdom. And, and you definitely accomplished so many fantastic things yourself. What do you see now with that leadership and legacy excellence? Uh, what would you like to accomplish or what things that you can share, but also uh, what would you like your legacy to be? What would you like to be known for after all of those uh, again, amazing accomplishments that you already lived by and, and did it so far. I know it's something there, profound. No, one of my heroes is Napoleon Hill, uh, the writer of, uh, of Think, Grow, author of Think and Grow Rich and several other books, The 17 Laws of Life Mastery, things like that. And what he has done is what I want to do. I want to start creating things. I want to be involved with things that a hundred years from now, a mm. hundred years after I've made my transition away, people are still saying, hey, wow, did you see this? Sound like he's talking to us right now today. And that was a hundred years ago or 70 years ago. I look at uh, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Read that book and you almost feel like he's talking to you now. Yes. Okay. Timeless wisdoms, evergreen. Um... Evergreen content. Correct. Everything that we're doing, when it gets out there, I want people to go back to it and say, no, I'm leaving the company. You're just coming in. You go look at this before you plan on sitting in my desk. You go, you go figure this out. You go look at this. Let's discuss it. That's what I want to have happen. And that's what's going to happen. That's the legacy. 100 years after I'm gone, people still connecting and still saying, well, no, Glenn kind of thought that, that a little bit silly. He had a way of doing it. He had his why, and that's why his way is there. 
beautiful. I love that. I love that. And, and that is the beauty because not everybody is capable to distill the complex issues and make themselves involved to really then share those profound truths and wisdoms. And as a result, something that we can not only understand very well, but also relate. And as you said, build around it and create phenomenal community and see where they're going to take us and echoes generations and generations to come. See, I'm not so sure. I think everybody has that. They don't want to do it. They don't want to express it. I mean, I look at my little grandson, so he knows we're not going to get into it by any means. We don't discuss it anymore, but he knows that I've been sick. And the first time he got to come and spend the day with me when I was sick, no, I told him, hey, I can't really do that because I'm still a little bit sick. You know what he said to me? Papa, don't be sick. What a piece of wisdom. Don't be sick. Mm. How many people have that type of wisdom just inside of themselves if they relaxed and let go and thought like a little child? See, I'm just going to say, hey, Papa, don't be sick. It's dumb to be sick. You know, you almost going to say, it's dumb to be sick. Why would you want to be sick? Don't be sick. Mm. I think all of us have that piece of wisdom within us. I think the vast majority of us need it to know that it's a safe place to share that wisdom. I'm not going to try to put you down as a leader because your wisdom is a little bit different than mine because we have a different viewpoint. Yes. No. Yeah, there are some things that I'm going to not be happy with. You're not going to be happy with. And that's the idea of this hate stuff going around. Mm. You may think you're being wisdomatic with hate, but if you got hate, you're not checking deep inside of yourself yet. And we all have to struggle with that. I mean, I got in a conversation with somebody who had voted for this guy twice. And I just, I had to ask him why, why? And I had to kind of hold back on the inside. I'm saying this person, why would you do that? Especially being a woman of color. Why would you do that? And I had to try to listen. So everybody still battles that, but you have to release and be in a trusting, safe environment. And that's another reason why these leaders of these Fortune 100 companies, you know, if Walmart's gonna survive in 100 years, they gotta change the way they're doing business. I'm sorry, Walmart, you got it, but you gotta change because the quality of workers you're getting now, the quality of people are going there now, they'll leave you for a dime more an hour. You're gonna continue to do turnover. You're gonna continue to have issues. I shouldn't call out a company, but I'm gonna call them out. But that is, is also a great example because everybody can relate to it and the time and economy and people are looking to save the money. And because they're being so socially, economically uh, challenged, but customer service expectations, the dynamics, what's going on, uh, it's, everything is deteriorating on so many levels, you're right. And just to look in on the profit and profit margin, that's not gonna hold the, the water any longer. And consumers are getting smarter if they have alternatives somewhere else. And even just, even if they have to pay more, but that sense of that they don't have to deal with things uh, that they're seeing, uh, then they will make that choice. Well, how many healthcare companies have moved their, they moved the call centers offshore, but now have moved them back onshore? Yeah. Many, because they realized that 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 was that deteriorated the quality of their operation. 
deteriorated quality of types of nurses and, and providers they're gonna get deteriorated. Also quality and ratings and errors uh, in terms of their patients because healthcare is extremely competitive. And yes, during the COVID when we need all the hospitals, right? And everything that we can, people were going just to get whatever they could get the help. But ultimately we're looking now who performed the best, who had the best triage and response where do we felt the most supported? When we have our choices, we will choose better. And we'll show you that we have our choices. So it's very important you spot on that we don't have that arrogance and ignorance just because we're still leading the pack that that's gonna stay that way. And you spot on, it's time for change for sure. And if you're gonna go offshore, make sure you start training better. Train people to think better, not just to follow a script. Make sure you put money into the training of that. So <clears throat> that's neither here or there, but that's just kind of my example. If a company really wants to take a hold of what we're working on and what we're talking about, they can be far more profitable with a longer term future. Should they decide, okay, I'm going to be this and we're going to solve this problem. And I love what you said, for everything that we're doing, we're disrupting and creating solutions to most complex issues. And we're arming ourselves with progressive uh, thinkers that are eager to really see transformation take a place in their lifetime. Not something that they're gonna be proud that they set it up and that's gonna unfold hundreds and thousands of years because world is rapidly changing and we don't have the luxury we had before, right? But in the same time, we can also just dance around elephants in the room without addressing and seeing these problems and A, that we're also seeing them, that matter of fact, we maybe even cause them. And now it's also our responsibility to clean them up. And with not only digital media, and access to promoting and broadcasting this. But I also feel like with so much that is happening, we have responsibility uh, more than ever. And, and step down if you cannot step up. That's kind of my, my analogy for so long because we have a choice. We can step up or we can step down and let others to lead the way. And I think this is breaking point on so many levels. Wouldn't you say that, Glenn? Yeah, I like that analogy. No. If you don't want to put yourself out there, then step out of the way, just, just step back down. But if you want to put yourself out there and you want to create something that's going to last several generations, step up. If you feel the need to help others, okay? And I'm saying step up and think about it a little bit more. I mean, the short-term solutions don't work. Yes. This is my city, Denver, Colorado. But our short-term solutions for the homeless population does not work and have not worked. What are going to be some of the long-term solutions? And I love you brought it up since both of us are Denverites and then Denver holds so much. Obviously, since I immigrated to Europe and all of that, I felt like that was my home by choice for so many years. Um, I see a lot of changes, but I also know that we have extremely smart, capable, competent people. That's it. <clears throat> And so question it is, Glenn, why do we still decades later, and specifically in recent last three or four years, don't have solution despite of intelligence, the data, the money, and also of right individuals having a seat at the table? Because we don't open the seat at the table for a lot of them. Okay, We don't open up that seat at the table for a lot of them. 
we don't, we still want to run through things. Okay, well, what is the goal we're here? Well, how are we going to measure our success? How do we know it's achievable? We can't be too hard because it's not achievable. So I'm not saying everything in circles around that, but that's one of the reasons, okay? We haven't laid out our mission and vision. You know, let's say- Shared mission and vision, you're right. And we're still looking, solving the problem through the smart goal lens that doesn't work, which you just pointed out earlier. Yeah, it just, it's not going to work. But if, let's say we take, I'm not going to put the name out there yet, but let's say we take this person and they spend some time talking about the homeless or the hunger, let's say a hunger situation. They're not, we're not going to beat it to death, but they're going to just give you the why it's a concern. Yeah. And then they have to, then they get to help guide us into being who we need to be to solve it. And then they help hold us accountable to solve it. Okay. That's kind of the formula, but we're not following that formula. We're afraid to put somebody in the, in the podium that doesn't look like us or thinks just a little bit different than us. Okay. We're afraid to do something different, unique, hear a different viewpoint. We may not feel overly comfortable, but that person's not going to be there to make you feel uncomfortable. That person will be there to show you the why and have you and uh, your team come up with a solution. If we're not allowing different perspective, as you write, and also not having the right team members having a seat at a table, allowing that diverse thinking and problem solving and identifying what, what problem we're solving and how and why and what we already tried before, what we learned that doesn't work, why we're still repeating. Because again, dear Einstein, I just keep on Einstein role today, uh, such obviously we can solve the problem the way is being created. And a lot of times we see this pattern over and over. It doesn't matter how well we package, doesn't matter how well we position and communicate and we feel that is different. It's still the same thing, right? All we're doing is trying to position and communicate it. But is this still same problem over and over, right? right? Because we're trying to force the solution from the way something is being created. And we know that that is the definition of insanity. And we also know that we have insanely smart, capable individuals. So what message we're sending to those individuals and have, where is that confidence and willingness for them even to come and have the conversation at the table that they're either asked to join or they were uh, figuring out ways to come, right? And after the while, they're like throwing the hands up there because again, we're going back in circles. So I love this. And I want to highlight this, Glenn, and for our audience, for everybody that's watching and listening, because now you can see so many different examples, how they're putting us back to square one. But what happened in the meantime, time passed by so much with opportunities missed, so much more suffering is being created, so many lives are being lost, so much conflict friction, so much uh, data that doesn't make us look good. And we shouldn't be doing things because that make us look good, but doesn't make us good knowing the fact that we have allocated resources for it, that we also had a financial means allocated for it, that we also had a plenty of time. Yet we have so many people trying to have the seat at a table to really share and bring the solution from different perspective. Why don't we start to collaborate? That's why this hasn't worked in the past. We still, are, we still haven't really fully started to collaborate with people who 
think different, act different, look different. Understand differently, they're subject matter experts. And you know what's interesting? I remember when I was running torture rehabilitation um, center for years, for over a decade, frankly, I remember how long it took just to have for the first time in my tenure, in my turmoil and ups and downs with organization to have a for first time board of director, one of survivors on it, to uh. be the voice in decision and process. How much arrogance, ignorance, uh, pissing contents, the titles, uh, expertise, um, credentials, and don't take me wrong, all that is beautiful. We need all those uh, smart, amazing attorneys. And we need all of those PhD degree graduates. I'm not undermining that. But you cannot possibly tell me that you know what it's to be survivor of the war, torture, genocide without being in that position. And you're gonna advocate the best for those people without having them to have a seat at the table. You're not gonna do that. It's just not gonna happen that way if you, I won't say you have to be a survivor, but I will say that you have to have listened to a survivor. But if you had a chance to have one representing, meaning also the same but, thing around the hum, um, homelessness situation, we're talking about homelessness. We have so many people homeless that just became during this economic downturn, but during the COVID and everything else, that were middle class. A lot of people, let alone the ones that are being on the, on the cusp of poverty. So the reason I'm bringing that up if we're not asking the population or the people that are in midst of it, how can we arrogantly then say we're solving the problem, we know how to do it? Even if we listen, because it's we still have a filters, right? And who do we listen? Do we have enough sample of data? And are we listening across the board? And are we really gauging and now using the data that we got with the great healthy sample of it so that we can come up with a good conclusion and as a result, a good solution? That's the problem that I'm seeing over and over again. Right, I think, I think you're a thousand percent right. And I think a lot of that problem comes from the simple fact that we're not thinking deep enough. So here's something you did for me just last night or the night before when we were discussing what's going on. You said, I need statistics. I need analytics okay. in order for me to start to make it, there are key words there, in order for me to start to make a good decision, I need statistics, I need analytics. So me, you were saying, I need to be able to think before I can even start to make a good decision on things. Otherwise, I can be Yes, and thank you for highlighting it because I, I'm subject matter expert in it, let's say, and I know and I have my opinion, but then I'm biased unless I also have a great pool and support and looking from multiple lenses. Not only now I'm validating, I'm spot on, not from ego, but making sure that I am really looking this in a healthy, relevant way and timely, and I'm still able to understand and depict what's happening at this moment, right? But also having now support of data and analytics and sample from global perspective, from the different lens, from whatever criteria might be, or finding different ways of looking at criteria that is not always coming from the top, from C-suite, that is coming also from middle management, that is coming overall from broadly from people, right? Then we have something more because we allow participation, no judgment. We allow inclusion. We allow opportunity for everybody to express themselves, to be in the trusted environment, professional setting, and people showed up. 
people participate, people gave their best shot. And now it will be our shame, which I also see when I do conduct a lot of assessments, and I'm sure you see that too. If we're not now using the data to adjust the game, what's the point, right? Because we're then given false expectation. I can't tell you how many times people get frustrated saying, Isabella, we did all of these assessments and we did all the surveys and everything else, but we never seen anything happening after that. No change, no nothing, no full up, nothing. And That's we feel like what the, Okay, I'm sorry, coaches and consultants and speakers, that's the challenge you face. You can, you can take all these assessments in, you can take all the, all the, the Gallup, all these things in, but where's the follow-up? Yes. Where is the empowering of the people to create their solutions? Or are you just going there to get <clears throat> business? Sometimes I, that's, the, that's the issue. The problem is that if we're not taking things to the next level, and having planned that will be the next thing after that, then we're not letting people down because the, uh, ultimately what it is, our company let us down, our leadership let us down again. When you pour heart and soul to say, Isabel, I'm not feeling good, I'm sick or whatever might be the case, and I'm ignoring and not acknowledging and just going after my agenda, how that will make you feel, right? And that will not make you feel. Right you will shut you down and will you'll be deeply disappointed and you may never give me a second chance. That is the concept that a lot of people already use so many second chances. And right now we're seeing the people retriving and saying, what is the solution to be quiet, uh, to give up, not to care anymore, to look for some other choices or maybe better scenarios. So ultimately what we're speaking here, Glenn, I am so glad you're highlighting Again, importance of approaches. Well, yes. I mean, if we continue to ignore people's thoughts, what they're doing, you know, I, I found it interesting that when we started coming out of COVID, they said, well, there's the government money we've been giving these people these stipend checks, and that's why we have unemployment. Really? The reason why you have unemployment is how you've treated and listened to people in your organization. Why would I put myself back in that situation when in a gig economy, I can probably do just as well with a whole lot less stress. Why would I put myself back in that situation? Or because HR system is broken too, or are they giving you a mixed message? We're seeing right now things that really are shocking. And again, I'm so glad we're having this dialogue here and hopefully for everyone watching and listening, you are also realizing because this is the reality and we're trying to uh, highlight some of the things. I had a scenario when you are perfect candidate for phenomenal position, you have everything possible under sun and they're sending you right away. Oh my God, I'm senior a recruiter. I cannot wait to talk to you. Let's have a conversation. And then you are having an email sending you to do assessments and everything else. And then, then literally uh, less than 24 hours later, you get in the automatic generic note, which shows to go with another uh, candidate. And in the meantime, you also get a phone call and you're like watching 
imagine all of this unfolding and you were like, what is going on? You can't get a recruiter on the call because they gave you wrong number. Then you call in the number they call you from. They pretend they're not available. That's not them. And then you've seen all of this and you finally get a hold of someone. Uh, and then you're trying to look at it. It's like so disappointing. It's like, what type of games or who do you have actually running your business? Do you have a competent people? Do you have a people that know what they're doing? Do you have a people that you're proud to represent you? Or are you having people that are out of the college, just learning and learning the, and demonstrating the worst possible rookie exams? Because everybody, that, everybody's time is money, right? Right. And did that happen because of how you set up the mission of your company, the vision of your company? Did you decide, okay, we're going to uh, get as much people as we can so we can put them in as many positions as we can so we can make more money? Or is your mission to say to make people's lives better by putting the right candidate to the right job? And you truly mean that mission. Okay. I think there are a lot of our challenges. This is why I say the leaders are responsible for this. If the, the people who are doing the work, they mistreat the customer, it's because they're being mistreated by the leadership or they're being pointed in the wrong direction. Hey, here's your KPIs. You gotta have, you gotta talk to 30 people a week. Shouldn't your KPIs be? Or simply ahead, didn't have enough of training, like you were pointing out, it's important to train the people. You're giving someone senior recruiter position that doesn't even know how to talk on the phone, that doesn't will tell you the truth because on one phone number you call them and they're pretending that's not them, and then you call in on the other, and then all of a sudden it's the same voice, same person, and they apologize and say, I'm so sorry, because they know now that you they're being cut. I mean, it's like it's like that's what I'm saying. You then you look lack of ethics, then you're looking lack of, of transparency here. It's like, like, do you want to waste your time? And on top of it, they're asking you to invest three to four hours for, to do a bunch of assessments on your time before they decide to go to the next stage or final stage or whatever might be the case. It's like, you know, why would you now do that? So the um, reason I'm highlighting this, Glenn, is not for shaming purposes, no. but you're right, because everything's broken, broken from so many levels. And then how do you deal with all of that? To be casualty of the mass exodus of both sides? And you're right, people are smarter. They'd rather make less, they'd rather have uh, less money, but more peace because they're realizing how it's affecting their health, how it's affecting their well-being, how it's affecting their relationship, their family dynamic, and uh, frankly, their longevity. Who cares if you're okay. going to live another 20 years, but you're going to be stuck and constantly needed uh, on daily basis, urgent care. What you just said is so key for health care when we're mistreating the people who work for us, mis not educating them, not helping them get better, we're damaging the healthcare of our nation, of humanity. Because when you, go, when you are ineffective because you're ill, when you're just getting the money, just hanging on and getting the money and saying, well, you can't fire me because I've been here for so long and I'm not breaking any rules. And if you fire me, I can, you know, because they don't really care. They don't have ownership into it. They don't know what that mission is. That's another area we have to look at. We want to improve healthcare in this country. Maybe we look at how we treat our employees. 
and, and it's not just the healthcare on the end when you have those symptoms and issues you write, but it's well-being, it's a wellness, it's a mental health. It's overall putting, again, the value to your biggest asset. And a lot of companies still don't recognize that their bigger assets are their people. So back to you, Glenn, with everything you shared so far. First of all, you mentioned something very, very powerful. And I want to leave the audience with something that they can start rethinking and thinking differently that they should watch and listen to your YouTube, uh, on YouTube, your TED talk, uh, that they're gonna look at the smart goals don't work and why they don't work, what's alternative. And then to quickly also recap, uh, why we're dealing with magnitude of these problems, it's exactly on every single angle, all this discussion about because of the, how the problems are created and, and the ways we're trying to solve it both very ineffective lens that will look at the problem as well as overall old same old solutions anything else you want to leave the audience for today on the legacy leader show with so that they can not only be much more effective but also be able to create that um, legacy of excellence and also be able to perform as a leader of excellence i would like to just challenge everybody to write in to you and just give, I don't, we don't, I don't think you want to read paragraphs, but just maybe a one sentence. What do you want to be known for 100 years from now? Maybe that should just be something that everybody just puts down there. I want to be known for this 100 years from now. And if you can't think about it right now, can't think of it right now, then table it and come back to it by the end of the week. What do you want to be known for right now, 100 years from now? That's what I would like to ask people to do. That is very, very powerful. And, and that is phenomenal exercise because we change and with COVID with everything that happened, I'm sure our perspective change and it's a beautiful to have that fresh pair of eyes and ears and also to really, really listen internally or inwardly where you at. So thank you so much, Glenn, for sharing so much words of wisdom with us here on the Legacy Leader Show. I cannot wait to uh, do lives with you and also reveal what we're up to, but uh, solutions complexities are going to be solved because guess what, guys? We're gonna be showing you how things get done when you change perspective and you also have a new system and new ways of doing it. So Glenn- and That is what we want to be known for a hundred years from now, providing solutions. That's what I want to be known for. Fantastic, Glenn. Looking forward to uh, hearing uh, feedback from our great audience and listeners. Yes, and sir. also cannot wait to share and unveil what is coming in 2022. Yeah, yeah. See you all. <laughs> 2022 and beyond. Yes, exactly. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, Leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.